Welcome to the That's Not Me seminar stream. This is day three, um, and we are going through the whole story of the prodigal son. And like today's going to be a little bit different. We have got a very special guest, Mr. Darrell Tunnelly. Yeah, give him. Basically, he came last year and did the stream and basically smashed it. So we thought, why not invite him back again? You know, it's all right to bring him back. And so hopefully God's going to do some incredible things. Um, just to let you know, there is going to be, um, as we did for the last two days, kind of follow-up session in the Rhythm Factory from 2.30. Now, yesterday we had 175 people turn up. Um, so I'm going to suggest if you do want to come with some follow-up questions, Joe, who's actually speaking next door, he's going to be there interviewing Daryl, and I think it's going to be a great time if you've got any questions for him or any questions from what he says today, it'd be a great time for you to come. So it's going to be 2.30 at the Ribbon Factory. If you want to do that, I'd say get there a little bit early, get a comfy seat, comfy space. There are beanbags, but not enough for everyone. So if you want to get one of those, get there early. So it's cool. Okay, keep coming in, keep coming in, keep coming in. Cool. So let me just get a show of hands. Who's been to every one of these seminars this week? Hands up. Okay, a few of you. First time people here? Hands up. All right, that's cool. All right, so we had myself. I kind of set this whole thing off by just talking about um, the prodigal son and just some of the stupid things he did, why he ran away from the father, um, and then... Governor B and his lovely wife Emma then kind of spoke about the consequences, like what kind of happens when you, you run away from the father. So, and we're going to keep, keep going. We've got Joe speaking with Rebecca and tomorrow. They're going to be talking about forgiveness of the father. And then we've got Joe's older brother, Sean, who's a good mate of mine. And he's going to be looking at kind of like the older brother. Because the thing about this story, we can kind of just look at it from the father's forgiveness, and we can sometimes look at it from like, oh, it's all about the younger brother, but actually the story is also about the older brother who's just as sinful as the younger brother. And I guarantee by the end of this week, you will find yourself in one of those camps. You'll either identify with the younger brother or the older brother. So cool. So if, you, if that interests you, definitely come for the rest of the week. All right, I'm going to stop talking now. Can we give Daryl... A massive New Day Ribbon Factory welcome. How are you doing? Is everybody's voice hang, hanging in there? Has anybody got camp throat? No? Don't want to disappoint you, but camp throat means you've actually got streptococcus in your throat, and that's like a bad disease. So if you start getting croaky, stay away from me, you dirty mingus. <laughs> who was that guy who held his hand up, said he'd not showered all week? Where is he? Is he still in here? Yeah! Check out the man who's single. Right. <laughs> the whole premise, when, it, when, when I got the call today, he said, will you do this seminar? on this particular topic. This is not a topic you will get heard preached on much in church. In fact, I'm actually ashamed to say you will very rarely hear this topic preached on much in church, which I don't understand. 
Because this is a topic which Jesus spoke about a lot. And not only did he speak about it a lot, he was very graphic, he was very clear, he made people understand what this topic was. So the, shut up! So the beginning was, that's my diva, I'm getting my diva on. So the whole premise of today is something that's mentioned in, there's a, there's a book in the Old Testament called the book of Proverbs, and it says it more than once, and it says it on more than one occasion in the Bible, and it's not something that you'll hear mentioned much, because I bet all through this week, you've heard about forgiveness. Stick your hand up if you've heard about forgiveness, yeah? Cool. Have you heard about love? Have you heard about restoration? Have you heard about new life? Have you heard about the Holy Spirit? You've heard about all, all of those things, okay? Has any of you heard about fearing God? No hands. You see, the book of Proverbs says, the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning. And I've heard for years and years and years, churches, church leaders water that down to say, oh, that fear, it just means a healthy respect. That's all it's talking about. It's just this healthy respect of God. And I'm like, are you reading a different Bible to me or are you just mental? Because every single time I see somebody encounter God in the Old or New Testament, they end up... I'm about to revert to my gangster days. Every single time I see them face down on the floor, in the dirt, petrified, Packing their pants. Now to me, that's not healthy respect. Okay? When I walk into work of a morning, I have a healthy respect for my senior pastor. I don't walk into the office, fall face down on the floor before him and go, Don't kill me! I don't fear him. I have a healthy respect. But the Bible is talking about something completely different. The Bible's talking about the same God I talked about on Monday night. The same God that controls this ball of rock spinning at 65,000 miles per hour. The same God controlling this galaxy spinning at 483,000 miles per hour. The same God that is in charge of the billions of galaxies that make up the universe that we are living in. I want want you to do something for me. We're going to do this together. On the count of three, I want you to breathe in and I want you to breathe out. You ready? We're going to do it. Ready? In and out. God just let you do that. He just allowed you to do that. Take two fingers. Place them until you can feel your pulse. You feel the beat of your heart? Ba-boom, ba-boom. Ba-bom. Some of us who are jiggy, it's going ba-bom, ba-bom, ba-di-di-bom, ba-bom, ba-di-di. <laughs> but every single beat, I know your is does it. His does it all the time. He's got like a reggae beat going on. Everybody, everybody, every single beat you just felt, 
God let that happen. He allows you to live. And he allows you to live because he created you to live. He created you from a place of love. So when I'm talking about fear, you need to understand that he can wipe you from the he can wipe you from history. He can wipe you from existence. And yet he chooses not to because he loves you. So the whole title of today's message is this. So you're dead. Now what? Have you ever thought about it? You're dead. Now what? We were talking about this in the group before. You come to New Day. I'll use my bottle of water. That bottle of water represents your time here on earth. From end to end. That is the culmination. For some of you, unfortunately, it's the lid. I don't want to depress you, but you might be dead tomorrow. But for some of us, that represents the culmination of our life here on earth. And yet, we are eternal beings. Our actual life would lap this room forever and ever and ever and ever and just keep going and going and going and going and going and going and going. But all we think about is I've got problems at school, innit? Oh, my mum and dad's not nice, innit? Oh, I've got money worries, innit? Oh, I need a boyfriend, innit? I need a girlfriend, innit? I need to get a shower, innit? <laughs> That's all we think about. Sack the fact that we're going to actually live for eternity. Look back at this tiny little bit of life. Forget that the book of Proverbs says the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. We're going to look back on this tiny bit of life and say, how monumentally dumb were we to just think about now? To just think about today, to just think about this week, to just think about New Day, to just think about my career, to just think about school, to just think about my finance, to just think about my family. And all the while forgetting that actually Jesus could come back tomorrow. Sack tomorrow. Jesus could come back this afternoon. And do you know what? That's alright with me. It's more than alright with me. If he came back this second, I would be ecstatic. Because it means I don't have to put up with the rubbish on TV anymore. I want to talk to you about hell. You see, hell exists for a reason. Jesus created hell. Did you know that? Let me read it to you. It says, hell exists for God to deal with righteously with Satan. He says in Matthew 25, 41, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell exists. It was created 
for a purpose. Way back when, when the devil, when Lucifer thought, do you know what? I've been working out, I've been down the gym, I've got my steads going on, and I'm going to go and I'm going to take out God. And not only am I going to take out God, I've got some other steadheads with me as well. And we're going to march into the throne room of God. And we're going to take down God and we're going to take over heaven. And we're going to do things our way. And God said, <laughs> a bitch slap. Just like that. And he created hell as a place for all those who had rebelled against him. All those who had rebelled against him. Not just the devil, not just the demons. If you wonder who demons are, they used to be angels and they got kicked out. You wonder who the devil is? He was an archangel and he got kicked out. All those who rebelled against him it's right there it's in black and it's in white it's prepared for them number two hell exists for God to deal righteously now this is the scary one pin your ears back for this one hell exists for God to deal righteously with the unbelievers he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power Thessalonians 1 verses 8 through 9 it's not just for the devil. It's not just for the demons. It's for all those unbelievers who choose, who choose to disobey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Raise your hand for me in this place today. If you can put your hand upon your heart before the Holy Spirit. And say I love Jesus. Amazing. I can't wait to spend paradise with you. Now I'm going to ask you the same question again. But with a twist. Put your hand on your heart. Before the Holy Spirit is your witness. And tell me if there is somebody in your life who you love. Mum, dad, brother, sister, auntie, uncle, foster care, I don't care who it is, who you love and you know that that scripture applies to them. You know that they're destined for hell. Does that not break your heart? You see, I'm not telling you to go out there and preach hell. The Bible tells us to preach the coming of the kingdom of heaven. What I'm telling you to do 
is have a very clear understanding of where hell is, what hell is, and who hell is for. Because if that does not overcome your fear of telling people about Jesus, nothing will. Oh, I'm too scared. I'm too scared to talk to them about Jesus. I would rather they burn in the fire of hell. Don't make sense, does it? I can't talk to my mum and dad about Jesus. I'd rather they burn in the fire of hell. Some of you may be saying amen, I don't know. But there are people in your life who you love. And you need to get a grasp of why the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom because of this one fact. That without him, without Jesus, without his sacrifice, without his love, without his mercy, there is only one final destination that you and those you love are bound for. And it is not heaven. It's hell. This is one of those kind of messages that's never going to get applauded. But you need to understand it. And I'm sorry if it's depressing you. But you've got to walk out of this place thinking, do you know what? I am not going to let that happen. I am just not going to let that happen. I am not going to let my generation, I am not going to let my school, I am not going to let my family encounter this place that I've learned so much about, that Jesus taught so much about. Let me tell you a story about, you've probably heard it a thousand times. It's about a guy called, it's the, the rich man and Lazarus. You've probably heard this story in Bible school. You probably let it glance clean over your head. Let me read it to you again. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. It's in Luke 16, 19 through 21. It goes on. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in hell where he was in torment. He looked he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. What does that story teach us? Well, a few things. Number one, it teaches us that hell 
is a place of unspeakable suffering. I've heard so many preachers say, oh, hell is just a place God isn't. I'm sorry, where did you get that from? Which version of the Bible were you reading when you got the fact that you've been telling people that hell is just this place where God isn't? Because to me it says hell is a place of unspeakable suffering. The time has come for the church to get serious about sin. The time has come for the church to rise up a generation of people who say I'm not playing at this anymore. I am going to live a life that is holy, that is sanctified. I'm going to put down the pornography. I'm going to put down the ale. I'm going to stop having those sexual relationships outside marriage that I know are wrong. I'm going to ask every single day the Holy Spirit to come into my life because when I do that, my mind will be on the things of the Spirit and not on the things of this world. I'm going to get serious about actually being a a disciple of Jesus Christ because when Jesus Christ called me to follow him he said to me leave everything behind and follow me everything it didn't say bring your CD collection he didn't say Oh, you just pack up a suitcase of your favourite stuff and bring it along for you as a light note so you've got some nice memories of your old life. He said, leave everything behind and follow me. I'm going to give you an example of how brutal Jesus was. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Ouch. Ouch. If your iMac causes you to go onto a web page that you know is wrong, take your iMac and smash it if your iPad when you think no one is looking causes you to look at pornography take your iPad and smash it because it is far better for you to go into heaven without an iPad than with one sorry Apple You are not the salvation. Neither is Bill Gates. I'm not being biased. I'm just getting that in there. Whatever it is that is in your life, you know it's wrong. 
You know it's wrong. And don't get me wrong, I'm not sin bashing. I'm not here to have a go at you. You know the things. I'm not going to make a li- I could stand here for the next half an hour and make a list of the films you know you shouldn't watch. Of the parts of your body you know you shouldn't be touching as you're having those kind of thoughts. What you did in the shower this morning, you know you shouldn't have done that thing in the shower this morning. I can stand here and I can make a list of all the things you know that you shouldn't be doing. I could even be more cruel than that. I could ask the Holy Spirit to give me information and a particular name and a particular sin of what you did, yes, you, this morning. Now he's panicking. (laughs) You're starting to understand the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. How scared would you all get if God started giving me a list of names and a list of things that you all did, thought and said before you even got out of bed this morning? Oh, we would need some toilet roll in this place today because you would be cacking it. There will be some smell going on and not just from the man at the back that is just not a dirty minging showerer. Revelation 14, 10 through 11 says, We will drink of the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. He will be tormented with burning sulfur. He's talking about us. In the presence of the holy angels of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever there is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and his image and for anyone who receives the mark of his name that word Gehenna the valley of Henon the place of everlasting punishment the Bible's very graphic there was a place outside of the city where everything that was wrong, rubbish, whatever it was, was taken to be burnt. It was the valley of Henon. This place stank. Nobody went there. And this is the imagery that the book of Revelation is using. That this is the place where those people who deny God will live forever. Where the smoke will continually forever rise. Where the stench will never leave their nostrils. Where the torment will never end. Does this sound like hell is a place God isn't? Does it sound fluffy? No. Sounds to me like the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. Luke 16, 27, 28 says, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place 
of torment. Lazarus realises it's too late for me. I'm done. I'm stuffed. I'm here forever. I'm in this place of torment. And not only am I in this place of torment, from this place of torment, I can see paradise. Which makes it even worse. It's like being on holiday in Blackpool and being able to see Barbados. It's like paddling on the beach in Blackpool, kicking all the, 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 the dog poo and the old and all. They go, hey, look at me, I, I'm having fun. Woo! And then over the water, you can see somebody snorkeling off the coast of Barbados going, yeah, man! It's pure torture. I use that as an example because to me, Blackpool is torture. So what lessons, what lessons can we learn from the other side, as it were? From the other side. You've learned lots about heaven. You've learned lots about Jesus. You've learned lots about God the Father. You've learned lots. If you were there, who was in the seminar on Monday night? That's it. The rest of you, you mind, you're going hell anyway. But uh, you've learned lots about the Holy Spirit. So what lessons can we learn from the other side? Number one, the rich man was full of consciousness. If you're taking notes, write this down. He was full of consciousness. Hell isn't a place. It's not an ethereal place. It's not a place of unawareness. It's not a place of, oh, I'm here, I'll just make the best of it. It's not like prison. It's not like, oh, well, I'm in here for a while. The food's rubbish, but I might as well eat it. I'll give you a little story. I kid you not. This is no joke. Where I grew up, there was this factory. And in this factory is where they made dog meat. Okay? And if the wind blew just in the right direction, you could smell the dog meat. And have you ever eaten something where it kind of smells like it tastes? Have you ever had that? Come on, speak to me, people. Yeah. Friday. In that particular prison was Burger Day. Burger Day. They called it a burger. This was no burger. Because that burger tasted exactly the same as the dog meat factory smelt. That was hell. That wasn't good. That was torture. And I was fully consciously aware that there was a very strong possibility that I was chowing down on a pedigree chum cheeseburger. You see, hell was very much a place of consciousness. So much so that he said, send someone to my brothers. Please warn them. The response was, no. Your brothers have heard the gospel. Your brothers have had their chance. 
If your brothers choose to follow Jesus, they won't end up in the same place you are. If they choose not to, they will be in the same place you are. You see, once you're done, you're done. Last Monday night, I speak, I'm speaking here at New Day. Awesome. Love it. I love New Day. It's one of my favorite summer events of the entire year. I love getting together with you guys. However many people there was in that marquee, 7,000 people going for it, listening to the Holy Spirit. It was awesome. Tuesday night, I had to drive 300 miles to speak at another event called New Wine. Now, I've been out of prison for 15 years. There's not a lot in my life that scares me. I've had guns to my head. I've been stabbed at. I've been shot at. I've been OD'd. There's, I know that when I die, I'm going to go and be with Jesus. There's not a lot that actually scares me. About an hour away from my accommodation that they'd pre-booked for me as a speaker at New Wine. I'm driving away down these country roads and I had this overwhelming sense of nausea and double vision and I just thought to myself I'm going to tank the car I'm going to smash the car and I felt the, the, the near side wheel of the, hit the curb and I just slammed on and I just kept the wheel as straight as I could and stopped and I got out of the car and without getting too graphic well forget it I'll get graphic I blew chunks and I blew big style but the car I was this is not an exaggeration it was millimeters from this old like massive brick like the old stone style walls millimeters off that's the first time in 15 years I felt any kind of fear. And I was like, God, I could have met you at that moment. I wasn't even, but that wasn't what scared me. It wasn't the car crash that scared me. The almost car crash. That's not what scared me. It wasn't leaving behind my wife and my kids. That's not what scared me. My kids love Jesus. My wife loves Jesus. That's not what scared me. I know they're safe. I know they're secure. What scared me was, at that moment, I wasn't thinking about Jesus. At that moment, I was actually thinking about Matt Redmond. There's a scary thought. (laughs) I had his new album on in the car. And I'm sorry, Matt, I was thinking, "Mm, not feeling this. That was my thought in my head. And if that car had a tanked and I had a died at that moment and I stood there in paradise and I stood before the judgment seat and I stood before Jesus and Jesus said, well, what, well, were you glorifying me at that moment of your death? And I was like, no, I was thinking that that Matt Redman album's not that good. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. That's what scared me. And that's the first time I'd felt any kind of fear for a long time. If Jesus had come back last night, this morning, what was on your mind? 
If Jesus had come back when you were in Primark buying your clothes for this camp, and you know you were, because I was too. What was on your mind? And, it's, and it got me thinking. Is my mind on God enough? Is my mind actually on the things of heaven? Enough. Because Lazarus had his shot. And when Lazarus begged and pleaded for his brothers to be given a second shot. He was told no they've had their shot too. And if they choose they choose. If they don't they don't. But these are lessons from the other side, the second lesson from the other side, his eternal destiny was irrevocably fixed. Lazarus's eternal destiny, the rich man, sorry, his eternal destiny and Lazarus's, both of them, was eternally fixed. It was done. At the second they checked out, done, finished, irrevocably fixed. One was on their way to be with Abraham, with the angels. One was on their way to the place of eternal torment. Fixed, done, finished. I've had so many people say, well, we don't really know what happens, you know, to God. It's like a second, it's like a thousand years and God could have stepped in. You've all been to the funerals where you've heard the stupid wishy-washy sermons. Rubbish! It's quite clear in the word of God that once you're done, you're done. And wherever your mind was, wherever your heart was when you checked out, that's where you're going. Boom. Finished. It's not like going into Thompson's and saying, I'm sorry, I've changed my mind. I don't want to go to Torremolinos. I want to go Corfu. You don't get to change your mind on your destination. There is no travel agency for God. And if there is, I hope it's not Thompson's. The third thing, he knew what he was experiencing was just. Did you hear the rich man whinge once? Did you hear him moan once? He didn't, did he? He begged for water. He begged for his family to be warned. But he knew that the place where he was, he deserved to be. And that's dangerous. That is dangerous. You see, you can't whinge and you can't moan and you can't complain saying, well, I never had a chance. Yes, you did. I'm giving you one now. You walk out of here and die... You don't choose to follow Jesus. That's your choice. You don't get to whinge about it after the fact. He was fully aware that the place he was was the place he deserved to be. The next one was he pleaded. He pleaded for someone to help his loved ones know Jesus. I've already said it to you and I'm going to say it again. I am pleading with you. Let your loved ones know about Jesus. Please do it. Because if what I have just taught you about hell does not motivate you 
to want to tell your loved ones about Jesus, then you have serious mental health issues. They need to know. And as the Bible says, if you don't tell them, who will? They might reject it. That's not your domain. Your domain is obedience. Your domain is tell them, show them, love them. Demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit to them. Demonstrate the fruits of the Holy Spirit to them. Do all the things that you are told to do by Jesus Christ himself. Then when you stand in front of Jesus, he will say to you, Welcome, my good and faithful servant. And your neighbour behind you in the queue will hear, Away from me, I never knew you. That guy gave you a shot, he gave you a chance, you didn't listen, it ain't tough. It sounds harsh, but this is how the righteousness and the justice of God works and this is why the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom because to God sin is black and white to God when it comes to sin there are no shades of grey there is no good sin bad sin not so bad sin not so good sin there's nothing in between There is either you obey and follow or you choose not to. The choice is yours. Listen to this. It's a quote. He says, sir, I do not share your faith. But if I did, if I believed what you say you believed, then although England were covered With broken glass from coast to coast, I would crawl the length and breadth of it on hand and knee and think the pain worthwhile just to save a single soul from this eternal hell of which you speak. That was a guy called Charles Peace who later became a Christian. But he just heard the gospel message. He just heard about hell. And his response was, you know what? If I believed what you believe, I would crawl the length and breadth of this country on broken glass and consider the pain a pure privilege if it meant saving one soul from that hell you've just told me about. Wow, that's from a non-Christian. Wow, and what do we do? We whinge when Starbucks run out of vanilla syrup. And as a side issue, coffee should have coffee in it. That's why it's called coffee. If you want frothy milk and caramel and blah, 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 drink something else, it means you don't like coffee. 
Coffee should be black with a bit of sugar. Full stop. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. Listen to the words of 2 Peter. The Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I hear so many Christians in prayer meetings. I was at one on Tuesday night. And this guy got up and prayed. Lord Jesus, just come back now. We've had enough. Just come back now. Redeem us now. Come back now. I was like, mate, you weren't praying that a year ago when you were going to hell. You were quite happy for God to be patient with you then. You liked God's patience then. But now, all of a sudden, because you're going to heaven... You want him to come back. Your friends and your family fit within the words of Peter. Because he doesn't want anyone to perish. But he wants everyone to come to repentance. But please, 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 I am begging you. Don't let those words diminish your passion to reach them with the gospel. Because heaven is coming. But heaven is coming because hell already exists. The kingdom of God is near. Because the kingdom of hell is nearer. Jesus came to pull us back from the precipice of hell. There was a time in my life when I stood on the abyss, when I stood on the edge. When I looked down and all I saw was hell, was fire, was death, was destruction. And then somebody told me about the Son of God. Somebody showed me the love of God and as that started to happen do you know what started to happen to me I started to feel these arms wrapping around me holding me in a way I'd never been held before lovingly compassionately And those arms started to pull me back and pull me back just far enough until he whispered in my ear, now you're safe. Now you're not going there. 
But I'm not going to pull you any further back. Because I want you to remember what that looked like. I want you to remember where you almost ended up. But I promise you, you will not go there. Now let's me and you go together. And rescue all these people along this cliff. Let's me and you go together. And let's go pull them all back. Let's go and rescue as many as we possibly can. Because I'm going to give you all power. And all authority. In heaven and earth. To see these people saved. The fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. But it most certainly is not the end. Shall we pray? Come on, you've been sat down for far too long. I've been standing for far too long, you lazy beggars. Come on, on your feet. Blood needs to flow. I want everybody to do this. Come on. Glutimus maximus blood flow. Come on. Get the blood flowing. Good exercise. As I said on Monday night, the time will come when we will all receive our heavenly bodies. Some of us just got them early. Come on. My wife always laughs at that one because she knows it's true. Um. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to do two things. Number one, I'm going to ask him to give you a very, very, very scary, fresh revelation of what hell is. Where hell is, how close you are to it, and how close your friends, your family and your loved ones are to it that's the first thing I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to do the second thing I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to do is remind you that you are chosen that you have been given all power And all authority over sickness, blindness, disease, infirmity, sin. You, you, Jesus says, are the light in this world. You, Jesus said, are the city on the hill that cannot be hidden. You, Jesus said... This is his prayer to the heavenly father for us. Jesus turns around to his heavenly father and says, God, the glory afforded to me, will you give it to them? Try get your head around that one. The glory afforded to the son of the creator of the heavens and the universe and all that is within 
given to you. And you think that you need self-esteem. How much more do you want? You what? Oh, I've got self-esteem issues. Seriously? You are chosen by the living God. You are set apart by the living God. I don't care what you physically look like. Whether you're bald, hairy, fat, thin, never shower. I don't care. There were prophets of the Old Testament that looked like right bags of spanners. In fact, there was one, this prophet called Elijah, this gang of youth, it was a gang of youth, innit? He's walking down the street and this gang of chavs started taking a mickey. All right, Baldy, how you doing, Baldy? Started calling him Baldy. Do you know what happened? A bear came out and ate them. So the next time we, when you're you, you with your mates on the street and you see a bald guy go walking past, watch your mouth. Holy Spirit, come now. Come now. Let us understand what it is to fear a life without you. Let us understand what it is to fear a life without your salvation. Let us understand what it is to fear a life without your son pulling us back from the edge of the abyss of hell. And let us understand that although you created hell, it was never your intention that we be there. It was always your intention that we be with you. It was always your intention that we spend eternity in love with you. It was always your intention that we walk in your power was always your intention that we walk in your might it was always your intention that we would be your apostles and your pastors and your prophets and your teachers and your evangelists it was always your intention that by your Holy Spirit we would show love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and selflessness and self-control it was always your intention that we would be the light in the world it was always your intention that we through our love for each other would demonstrate your love to the world around us it was always your plan Holy Spirit, let us leave this place 
with a passion, a burden, a burning desire to lovingly wrench back the ones we love from the gates of hell. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we all say, you can sound a little bit enthusiastic. Come on, Amen.